All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray, and I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Haley Lucas, our mentor director. Hi, guys. Haley is currently in Budapest as she just uh, joined the team and uh, signed a contract. Can you give us a little info on that before we start? Yeah, so um, I this is my fourth year playing professionally, and I'm very excited um, to be playing in Budapest. It's always been my dream to live in a big European city, um, and this opportunity came my way, and it was hard to pass up. Um, I'm I've been here a week, and I love it so far. The team's qualified for Champions League, so we're in preseason. We're going to be competing um, to qualify for the group stages of Champions League, but it's going to be really exciting. So having fun here, the team's called Ferenc Varus, um, and they're the biggest club in Hungary, and they've got a bunch of sports too, water polo, handball, they're like national champions in a bunch of sports. So it's a pretty cool community to be a part of. Awesome. Congrats. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. So today we thought we would discuss a little bit about the new NCAA NIL eligibility thing that's been going on this past month. So just to give everyone a little bit of background, um, the Supreme Court ruled last month that the association can't stop students from profiting off their name, image, or likeness. And on July 1st, those NCAA athletes were able to strike brand deals and sponsorships for the first time, which is like a new possibility for athletes. Um, So we're just going to kind of discuss a little bit about we are both former D1 NCAA Pac-12 athletes from different generations. I'll admit I'm the older one, sadly. Um, but I graduated in 2004 and Haley graduated in 2018, correct? Yeah, 17, 18. So um, very different generations as far as what the game provides and what it was like for us in our experiences. But we thought we would just go over some of the positives and negatives of what we think about this new NCAA um, idea of players kind of getting to get brands and sponsorship deals and um, get to profit a little bit off of their own names since they make so much money for these large um, institutions. So let's start with positives, Haley. What, what's one positive you think um, is good about this? Well, kind of what you mentioned that the NCAA and these institutions have been making money off of these players for a very long time. And the positives that these players are showing on the field, they're not necessarily benefiting from their jerseys that are being sold in the student store and things like that. So I think it in terms of they are technically employees at the university, which people can argue that um, their scholarship covers that. But in a lot of places like Berkeley, for example, the stipend on a full ride is not necessarily enough to pay rent in one of the most expensive cities in the country and feed yourself and all these different things. So I think it does provide opportunities for student athletes to um, improve their quality of life and maybe their standard of living, especially in cities that are more expensive to live in. Absolutely. I I agree. I think about some of the players that I played with, some of them are walk-ons and they didn't have those scholarships and they ended up doing amazingly well they now have the opportunity to get um you know school supplies computers things like that paid for can really help their experience and you know they're also often those walk-ons those players that didn't get the money when they do really well they 
they have the ability to make their name bigger now, which I think is really cool because, you know, their performance can say a lot about themselves, but when they can advocate for themselves as well, then that can bring a lot more to the table for them. And I think even just the building of your brand, whether or not you're promoting products, which may come with that, but now that you're actually able to promote yourself in that sort of way is going to help them for whether that's a career in professional sports, which is very rare, but it could leverage them to careers that are maybe adjacent to being a student athlete, whether that's a speaker, an author, or something that requires them to use their brand after they're done playing, especially if you're on a scholarship where that money's gone, or even if you're not, and then you're looking for what's next. Yeah, it makes me think of um, a girl named Victoria Garrick, who's a USC volleyball player. She did a TED talk on the mental side of playing volleyball at USC and just blew up. And this is all after her career, but if she had gotten to do a little bit of that in the midst of her career, I'm sure she'd be a lot further along. She went on to, um, to found The Hidden Opponent, you don't follow them you guys should follow them on instagram they're awesome great resources but um you know she was one of those smarter people that kind of did it right as her um collegiate career was ending but you just imagine if some of these players do that their freshman year what kind of opportunities they have right when they graduate it's pretty awesome for sure yeah um, that's like a perfect example yeah um and you know she's one of those where she does a lot social media wise and i think that's where my head goes with a lot of these athletes it's you know they're not going to have the time to to i don't know to fly places and and do the bigger ambassador brand type things sponsorship deals maybe some of the the football basketball type players but you know it's a rigorous schedule and it's exhausting to play collegiately and I just wonder um, if the social media realm is probably the easiest route you can do that from wherever you're at and really grow your brand. So it'll be interesting to see where this all goes. And even just behind the scenes, potentially getting resources that they didn't have access to before, um, which could be many different things. But I know the thing that's been talked about recently is like Reggie Bush. Um, and people are kind of um, wanting him to get his Heisman Trophy back. And like for background on that, he um, had accepted, his family had accepted money, which of course was illegal and a violation at the time. But now people are kind of like, oh, what do we kind of do about this now? So not saying that that's the avenue necessarily, but um, for people getting paid in that way. But even, I don't know, did you see the movie Safety? It was on Disney, it came out a couple months ago. It was really cool. It was about this um, football player who was raising his younger brother and he was a Clemson football player. It's a really great movie, but he was getting in kind of rocky territory with NCAA violations because boosters were driving his brother to school. A full-time student athlete, not story about his brother. So it could even be more extreme situations like that where it's to be had that can really improve quality of life. Yeah, totally. Um, and I do think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in an equality realm when it comes to the different sports and the genders associated with those. Um, only because, you know, you think about football, like you just said, being a big one that this is going to profit off of. But um, for us being women's soccer players, um, I'm just super curious, you know, which schools will profit off the most, which schools will come out with programs. Um, right away to to promote this kind of stuff and um and how that will lead to 
just equal opportunities. It would be interesting. I know the University of Nebraska was talking about that, how they, their student athlete development was going to be catering resources to help promote student athletes in that way and kind of help them. But yeah, I do think there's unfortunately a major difference. Your women's sports are probably not going to see um, the same type of traction with this new legislation. And I think even within women's sports, I think women's basketball, women's volleyball, which are your revenue sports, um, are probably going to garner more um, attention and potentially more deals. But I do think it's nice to still have the opportunity for everyone, no matter how big or small that is. Absolutely. And some of those niche sports will will still find, you know, their place. And and um, there's so, yeah, and there's so many brands out there. So no, I agree. But that is leading more into the, you know, what are some of the concerns? I wouldn't want to use the word negatives. Um, trying not to be negative about it but I know maybe I have a different stance than you are being older I struggle with change a little bit more that's just my own personality but um, I think I come from it too just the uh, concerns and um, and question marks that are going to need to be answered rather than negatives Um, but that first one would be equality that's where my head went initially when I heard about this was just okay great so football and basketball uh, men's sports are going to be highlighted and they're going to get a lot of these endorsement deals and stuff but what about those women's sports so that was kind of one of the first places my head went when I heard about this months ago um, but there's other there's other concerns and question marks for sure besides that um, I think for me um, soccer is such a team sport and although we want to promote these players who are going to go on to play professionally I wonder how that's going to play a role because what we do at Female Footballers with the mental side has a lot to do with the team camaraderie and making sure that everybody feels confident and seen and heard and things like that. And I think about when you now have players who are individually going to be promoting themselves or or getting those types of deals, how's that going to play a role on the mental side of a team sport? Yeah, I do think that's interesting. I mean, you see professional athletes do it and some of them do it better than others in terms of their camaraderie. But I do think at the college level, when it is still such a developmental time in an athlete's mental side of the game, that I do think it could potentially be a distraction at times. And it does draw attention. And of course, you have you still have that now with social media on Uh, women's soccer Instagram page. Some people are definitely highlighted more than others are based on their achievements, but it kind of takes it to another level when there's actual money involved or more tangible things that can kind of create some awkwardness probably. That's so true. You just made me think about that because when I played, there was no social media and that wasn't an issue for our team. Um, The only time somebody would get highlighted is if you were on like the, 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 um, pamphlet before the game you're on the cover or something so was that something that was hard for you to navigate like through the social media of who's highlighted you guys pay attention to that I didn't in particular in terms of like it didn't bother me but it's something you definitely notice um you're like oh my gosh our social media manager loves this person no matter what it was for or whatever but um yeah it wasn't too big but people are competitive with each other um social media kind of brings out I think an ugly monster sometimes in people and it can really affect your confidence so I don't think it's like the major concern of this whole thing but it definitely is that kind of psychological element that is 
can spark jealousy or maybe affect team chemistry. You hope it doesn't, but it is a potential. And I think my concern is not so much that we shouldn't be going this direction. It's more that if we're going to continue to evolve in different directions, we need to make sure we have support systems in place for players because this is a step in the direction of giving players a little more power, which I think is important because having been a collegiate athlete, we both know that you don't always feel you have a lot of power in those roles. But I do think with any new situation, there just needs to be support systems in place. There needs to be regulations around it, discussions around it, almost like a whole person in the front office that is going to, you know, advocate for the mental side of this new avenue. So I'm hoping that that schools have that. But again, that goes back to the equality. We both played at Cal, UC Berkeley, which is a massive school with a lot of money put towards sports. We were very lucky to have, we also played in the Pac-12, Division One. we had a lot of resources. And there are many smaller schools that don't have that, you know? And um, so I do, I do worry about that. But um, yeah, I think that's where my head goes, is just sort of, you know, how is this gonna play a role with the mental side of the athletes? Cause that's what, we're, you know, what we talk about. But there's a lot of other concerns or thoughts, I think. Um, I, I mean, do you have any other ones that come to mind? One thing for me is as an 18 to 22 year old, that age group are not necessarily the best business people yet. They haven't had experience in the working world. The only contract they pretty much signed is their national letter of intent or their scholarship offer. And it does kind of bring some concern that maybe they're signing deals that they don't necessarily know what they're getting into. especially because you can't really sign with a agent that's not part of this who can kind of look it over. So I'm hoping that people are going to be deliberate and intentional in kind of who they choose to partner with. But it does concern me that maybe some of these um, student athletes might partner and get into deals that they're not necessarily aware of what they're getting into. An example I saw recently um, is people being being approached about um, supplements and different um, examples of health-related products. Some of those things aren't having been approved by the agencies, um, whether it's the FDA or the agencies that kind of regulate those kind of sports um, things. And student athletes have a lot of influence, especially to younger kids. And I think what they're putting out there is important. So not knowing what they're necessarily getting into contracts or the kind of products they're pairing with, I think when it's the hard decision of, okay, I need this money to pay for the rest of my rent or whatever it is, sometimes we have to make decisions that might not necessarily be in the best interest in the long run. So I hope that doesn't happen, but that is a concern of mine. No, absolutely. And that just made me think too, of just, you know, just like when social media came out, it was this amazing tool to connect people, right? But then we quickly saw the deterioration of the bad sides that can affect the mental health of people through something like that. And I think that's where my head goes is like, this is a great thing to give power to these athletes and yada, yada. But exactly what you just said, um, my concern with at least soccer too, it's such a billion dollar industry now that there are going to be agencies that are saying that they're there to help those players, but really it's about making money for themselves. And the player again ends up with no power. And that's not to be negative or pessimistic. It's just, it's a cycle of, um, you know, it's similar cycles within our sport that we see where something new comes out, we all jump on board. We think it's great. 
but there just aren't things set up in place to really um, be careful. It's the same concern I have in the last episode with Olivia Moultrie, where it's like, I want her to succeed more than anybody. I think she's a great player, but it's more like the system that's in place. I just want to make sure that that we are thinking ahead. And I think that we we all get on board to different things and we think it's all great and we're gung-ho. And then we later find out after an athlete's mentality is ruined or something, you know, I just, that's where my concern goes. And it's not to be pessimistic, but um, that's a perfect example of what you just said of, of just worrying that, um, the, the later effects, you know, they promote supplements. The supplements are not great. Little girls are watching that same concern. So, Yeah. And I think these are the conversations that athletic departments and compliance departments need to have with their student athletes. And it's not only NCAA rules, but it's also state regulations. These different um, allowances and kind of what student athletes are allowed to do is going to vary from state to state, depending on their laws. So it's a very specific and very personalized thing, but speaking directly to student athletes, if I was in this situation, I would wanna know exactly what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. Because at the end of the day, of course these extras and cool stuff that you're able to do through this new legislation is great, but you're there to get an education. You're there to play your sport and putting those things in jeopardy potentially is not, wasn't worth it to me. Like the education and the soccer part were the most important thing, but just being kind of aware of what you're allowed to do and asking questions. There's nothing wrong with that, but just get approval, try to figure these things out um, so that both sides benefit because the more you attract a brand, the better your school's going to do as well. You're going to recruit better players, all that kind of stuff, but just being very aware of what you're doing and being intentional about it. Yeah, I think about some of these college coaches and um, being a teacher in my day job, um, there's so much more as the world evolves that we are responsible for, for our students. And, you know, mental health was is becoming a large one of them, even though it's not part of our job description. I think of these collegiate coaches and that's a part of their life too now. You know, this past year really highlighted with COVID how they had to navigate the mental health of all of their players. And I think one concern is like, this is another thing that those coaches are going to be responsible for having to navigate for their players and knowing all those rules, making sure, you know, it's a part of their day now. And those small schools, again, without funding, aren't going to have the same resources as these large, huge uh, financially backed schools. So that's definitely... I hope there are ways that they can make it a little more equal um but I also think you also brought up you know like how your education came first I do think there's going to be a lot of players who this is a an avenue getting to college was an avenue to get seen to play pro and we might see a lot of players who get those brands endorsements and then the name recognition early and then leave just right. to go pro so it could really change the landscape of collegiate athletes it could change our sport a lot we're already seeing um, you know young players playing before college but it could really change that that college is an avenue for playing pro we could really see that change a lot so that, I mean that could be a great thing but it also could be a concerning thing like you said 18 to 22 developmentally I don't care if you're playing pro or you're playing college it's a life changing time where you're mentally and emotionally going through a lot regardless of your you know, whatever level you're playing at. And I think that you're going to make mistakes. That's super normal. I just hope that, 
you know, there's room to make those without too much scrutiny where you're then kind of screwed for your, your career later on, you know? For sure. And I think that's large, a large responsibility for the NCAA too. If they're going to allow these things, they need to be very clear about what they're doing and help these student athletes through that process. Totally. Um, well, yeah, this, this, is, this will be interesting to watch. And um, for those listening, if you are a collegiate athlete or coach, we're super curious to talk to you. We'd love to hear your thoughts, um, any current players. We also, um, we, we want to note, and with Haley on here as our mentor director, we're consistently always looking for mentors. Um, a mentor often just works um, weekly with players in our courses or our programs. And, um, you know, we are looking at, you know, collegiate players to possibly be interns of some kind. Um, we were looking at creating these types of programs. So if you're listening, please DM us, reach out, email us, whatever. And, um, it'd be interesting to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks guys. Um, our mentors are current or former pro and college female soccer players um, at the moment. And we're really excited um, to get more people involved. So feel free to reach out to us. And I think without further ado, we will uh, we'll end this and we'll probably do a follow-up with more of our staff on hand um, in the future just to see, especially as the season starts in August, September, and to see what kind of transpires with all of this. So. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks for listening.